You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. Just to let you know how it's beginning to spread and uh, we've been, you know, we've started there in Parker's Prairie, Minnesota. Just listen to the name of that. Doesn't that sound like a Metroplex? <laughs> Parker's Prairie, Minnesota. And uh, we've started the fellowship there. Now we meet on Mondays and Wednesdays. We, we yet uh, meet on Sundays. One of our, I don't want to say dilemmas, is that the, but the people that come to our Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, they've been going to their Lutheran church and their Baptist church and Catholic church for, you know, two generations at least, if not further back. And, and it's, yeah, three, four. And we're, we're just worried that we might, we don't want to break any fellowship. You know, why do we have, you know, the scripture says the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. And Sunday morning really is a tradition. It really is. I mean, it's what we're used to. And we're going to talk about some of that uh, this morning too, about being used to certain things. But we're just letting God move us the direction that we feel that we need to do and how we need to minister. But because of that, now we have, we've been asked to start up another Freedom Fellowship, which is turning into a church that actually probably will, whether they ever meet on a Sunday morning or not, I'm not for sure. But just this two weeks, just two weeks ago, we were talking with a couple. We've been doing meetings in Wilmer, excuse me, in Fergus Falls, Minnesota for eight months. And... Uh, they're believing that God's going to turn that into something. See, a, a Freedom Fellowship is not something you can, and I, I don't know how to say this, but it, you know, invest your heart into. It's something you come and you get blessed and you take the information and the revelation, you go home and think about it and let God be God. Where when you have a local body like this, it gives you something to be a part of that's bigger than you. That's the importance of a local church and the vision of the church and being a part and serving what God is doing in this midst because I guarantee it's bigger than everybody in here. You know, if you were here during the five conference or the parking lot was full, there were people parked over this way and that's in the midweek. You know, that's not Sunday morning. And so God's doing a great thing here and that's the value of being part of a local body, being a part of the Kenya ministry, given to the people there and being a blessing outside yourself. And we're going to read some scripture on that this morning. So that's the value and so of a local church, one of the values of local church, local body. Plus it gives you a place to be around people of like faith. And so what we're doing is trying to establish groups of people throughout Minnesota of, that become to have the like faith. Not everybody has, they go to the same church, but they don't have like faith. And we've been asked to start a church basically in, in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. We have the one in Parker's Prayer. We've just been asked to start another one in Wilmer, Minnesota, which is about an hour and 20 minutes south. And this is all, this is what's coming to us. We're not going out there saying, oh, will you please help? We want to start a church. Can you? No, these are people calling us. They're part of what we've, they've heard of some stuff. They've come to our meetings. They've sat there and contemplated. They've come to Parker's Prairie. They sit there and they go home and says, maybe we should do this in our town. And then they give us a call. We've gone out as far as Wapiton, South Dakota. You know, and so we're just believing that the seeds are going out and God's going to just, just plant them and we're going to plant, we're going to water and God's going to bring the increase. Amen. Amen. 
And just to let you know, there were some pictures on the video of the, uh, you, I don't know if you could tell what they were, but they were pretty white boxes, all colored and different colors. Those are the, the, the Believe Honey Company. Uh, the, that's what we're calling it, the Believe Honey Company. Pretty clever right there. Good marketing skills, see? The Believe, it's all faith honey. It's faith honey is what it is. And uh, last time we were here, we took up a, uh, I don't want to say a, a collection, but we, had, we let you know that there was an opportunity for $350 if you wanted to buy a home for some homeless bees. See how I moved on your emotions. See, that's a good salesman, you know, moving on your homeless bees. You need a home. And y'all help. There were 14 people who said, I want to do that. Seven have been faithful and provided the funds to go along with your word. I like that. And there's seven that haven't, and that's okay. But I'm just letting you know, come January, I'm ordering the bees for the first seven houses and anybody else. So this is now this time, January's coming. Yeah. So if any those other seven people want to be good to your word and say that you want to buy, you know, help get a home for some, some bees, uh, and with that, we'll, we'll send you or bring you honey from your beehive every year that we come down. And if we don't come down, we'll mail it to you. We're actually going to have a, uh, 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 a monthly shipping of honey that goes out to our regular uh, people that are, have, are saying we want to be a part. All this money that goes, it's not, this is going to further the ministry. You understand? So the money that comes into this, you'll be getting reg monthly, uh, eventually, when they start producing, it takes a while, calm down. Where's my honey? <laughs> I'll go get some little packets out of the food pantry, give them to you, you know, but, but it takes a while for bees. We, so we have seven boxes, seven homes ready to go. And we pray over them. And we're, every time we touch your beehive, I'll, we've got one with Eaton's name on there, Eaton Honey, I like that. That just sounds too good. Eaton Honey. I mean, that's just like, what are you supposed to do? Eat honey. Eaton Honey. Anyway. And so we're going to, every time we touch your beehive, we'll pray for your family. We'll put your family name on it. And it will keep us in contact and you in our heart and us in, you know, uh, hopefully us in your heart. So anyway, plus you'll get some good nutritious, nutritious honey and good stuff. And so that's, that's it all in the works. It's all happened. We've been uh, gifted with just so many bicycles. We have some people donated some almost brand new mountain bikes and some old retro Schwinn that are worth probably more than the, the new ones. Uh, but they gave us, they want us to use it. They heard we're having students come up. and we're, I mean, things are just, things are happening. Amen. You know, we had another large garden this year. Uh, that pile of potatoes in the picture, that wasn't from our garden. <laughs> okay, that, that was a huge, and that was just a piece of, just a big old pile of potatoes right there. But anyway, we just want to thank you, let you know that if you did uh, give us money for the beehives, the, the homes, those seven are done. And we're getting the bees. This, we, we have to order them in January. We pick them up in the spring. And also let you know the government is paying us to put seven and a half acres that, that we own into flowers for our bees. And that, that's just an amazing thing right there because uh, there's such a bee shortage across America. And especially up in the farmlands. And they, they're supporting anybody that's doing it. So this is just flowing really well finger looking good too. Amen. And thank you again to the youth for coming up. And thank you for the youth. I hope uh, where are they at? If you were a youth and came up, stand up. Come up. I tell you, you don't know how look, I'll, you don't know how dirty they got. Right?
They, they don't know how dirty you, you guys, excuse me, you girls got, right? The guys didn't get very dirty, but them girls got dirty. Where's Blake? I got to pick on Blake. <laughs> oh, he's over there. He's somewhere. All right, there he is. <laughs> but anyway, as you can see in the pictures where you guys helped us, you know, did you see the silo where the, the guys took out all the, where's Israel? You see the silo where you took out that rock and all that? You cleaned out that silo. Nice little patio now, isn't it? Next spring, we'll have a little water feature in there, make it look pretty so we can pray and listen to waterfall, you know. Have to go to the bathroom and everything. It's good. All right. All right. Anything else we need to announce? All the time. Amen. All right. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to gather together this morning and open up our hearts to receive your wisdom and your logic and your love from your word. I thank you so much you put it in written form so we can hold it and read it at any time we want to. I thank you that we live in a country that allows us to carry this great volume of books of love that you've given us. Father, we just pray for Pastor John and Ann right now, the church that they're at. Father, I pray that that church financially bless them beyond belief. Father, I thank you there's going to be a financial seed planted in their ministry from that church that will last for years. Father, I thank you that they are blessed and highly favored everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, one of the things we've been, that I've been seeing in the body of Christ and in my own personal life, and I take this, I mean, uh, because we're so spiritually minded, and please don't take this the wrong way, but most people in the body of Christ are living, are believing for miracles. And you're saying, what's wrong with that? And if you, if you, don't, if you, have, if you don't know me, li- listen, my, my, my heart is not to irritate you. <laughs> now, so, let, let dial in. I remember the first time, I, I remember the first time I irritated this man. He was sitting about right here too. You know? and, and I said some things from up here and I got this, Hmm? You know, just look. My, my heart really isn't to irritate you, but it is to agitate you. Because if you're not agitated, you're not working on nothing. All right? Well, I'm here to tell you, according to the scripture that I read, according to the God that I know, miracles is God's last resort in your life. Why is it what we're looking for? The thing about miracles is miracles require and demand a crisis. Before you can get a miracle, you have to have a crisis. How many people want a miracle? That means you want a crisis. No, you're out. Now let me say this. Let me say this is that I know the people of this church and I know the pastors of this church that if you, you're in the middle of a crisis and you need a miracle, this church will pray with you, stand with you, believe with you, confess with you, help you with your confession, help you with your walk to get your miracle. But I know the pastors of this church don't want you to live from crisis to crisis to crisis, believing on a miracle to miracle. They want you to live in the blessings of the Lord. There's two ways God brings things to you even though they're already done in heavenly places. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is already yours. And there's two ways you receive from God. And one is through miracles, His last resort. 
and his heart and the way he wants to do it is through his blessing. And that is according to his word. Most people always live from crisis to miracle, crisis to miracle, because they're not applying the word in their life to establish a life of blessing. The thing about miracles is this. Miracles are temporary. Throughout the entire word of God, every miracle is temporary. Blessings last forever. Amen. Once you get in the flow of blessings and, and continue in that, they will never stop. Miracles are just enough. Blessings are overflowing. And when you start understanding the difference between miracles and blessings, you'll start going from one miracle and start stepping into blessings when you start applying and doing what the Word says to do and to apply. Turn to, uh, put Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 on the board real quickly, and I want you to see this, because this is the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul we know was a Jew of all Jews. He was, and he, the verses before this, I'll read it some other time, I only got one Sunday, so I can't read all this stuff, and you just, just, just work with me here. But He's given this rendition of his history and how great he was and all the things he did and how he suffered to Christ. I mean, if he could brag in the flesh, if someone could brag in the flesh, it'd be the Apostle Paul. But look what it says up here. Are we going to get that up there? Philippians 4.12. I know that... Yeah, uh, can you put it in the New King James? I hate to be picky. <laughs> and can you turn it sideways? No, just kidding. Just, just kidding. Just, just... just we, uh, let, me, let me read it here because we don't have time for that. All right, the book of Philippians. Let me know if they pop it up there. It's there. What? It says this. Now that I have already, not that I have already obtained... I'm already perfected. Now, as we know, and we've learned here before, was Paul perfect? Now, the Scripture says in the book of Romans and other places, it actually says in the book of Hebrews, that, that, that we, are, uh, we have a spirit made perfect. It says the spirits of just men made perfect. We need to understand that according to spirit, soul, and body, your spirit man is made perfect perfect but the Bible says that we must now go on to perfection how can we go on to perfection in our soul and our thoughts our feelings and emotions the only reason we can do that is because it's already established in our spirit our spirit man's made perfect you're not perfecting your spirit man by what you do Jesus perfected your spirit man at Calvary okay you know, that's how we can go on to perfection because part of us is already perfect. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It doesn't mean to walk in the spooky. It means to walk in the Spirit. To take the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for you and to have that knowledge and revelation in your mind and in your heart and then walk accordingly to what's been established in the Spirit realm. That is the purpose. That's why the scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. No. The renewing of your mind. Because your spirit's already been transformed. You got born again. You had an old, ugly, you know, we've traveled all over, you know, in New Zealand and other places, in Minnesota, you know, I was just 
far as you And we ask people all over, how many sinners saved by grace? Don't raise your hand in this church or I'll slap you. <laughs> but I ask them in other churches, how many sinners saved by grace? You know how many hands go up? All of them. And I go, aha, got them. You know, but, but then I just tell them, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner that was saved by grace. Now you're a saint. You're a king's kid. You're a son. You, got the nat- you have the DNA of God inside of you, and you just haven't overcome your sin problem. And so, but you're going to overcome that sin problem by seeing who you are in the Spirit. Not who you- the Scripture says in Philemon 1.6, it says that your faith will become effective. How? By the acknowledgement of every good thing in you. Quit looking at the bad things. Quit looking at the things that you know what's wrong with you. You know, uh, my, the job, my job of a pastor isn't to tell you what's wrong with you. You know why? I'm going to miss something. <laughs> I'm not God. You know what's wrong with you. My job is to tell you what's right with you. Amen. To tell you what the Word says about you. To build you up, uplift you, edify you, exhort you. And for you to start seeing that in your own life. Man, I tell you what, this is such a powerful truth. Look what it says here. Uh, put that back up there. And verse 12 says, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold for me. Listen to that mandate. Listen to that mission statement. Listen to that, pers- that purpose for getting up in the morning. The Apostle Paul, who was changing the world at that time for the glory of God, preaching a gospel that had never been preached before, that there was a mystery that had been hidden from generations and ages. The word of, see, there's a Word of God in history, and there's a Word of God in... See, you've been here before. Some of you have heard some of this before. But there's a Word of God in history that most church churches know about, but there's a word of God in mystery that the Apostle Paul was beginning to, to spread throughout the world. And as much as he's been doing, the one thing he says he does right here is, is what? What's it say that he does? He says he's striving, he's pressing to lay hold of everything that Jesus has already laid hold for him. His passion for life he wants all that God has for him. He's not satisfied with where he's at. He's not satisfied with the world that he's living in. He's not satisfied with the circumstances that he's now dealing with because he wants to lay hold of all that Jesus has laid hold for him. What has Jesus laid hold for you? All the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Yes and, amen. and Paul was living to lay hold, he hadn't laid hold of all of it, but some of it, and he wants more. He wasn't satisfied with just a little. He wanted all that God had done for him through Jesus Christ. Is that our passion that drives us? Man, look what would happen in our churches if we wouldn't be satisfied with where we're at. If we would count everything as dung. Read the scriptures here. He counted everything as lost. Everything, everything that he knew, he counted his heritage. I love this because we're in ranching country. The scriptures before this says, I am the stock of Israel. I like that. That's rancher talk. You know what I mean? Where's he? Yeah. He knows what I mean. I'm the stock. That's, far, that's cattle talk. That's, that's, in other words, he was well bred. <laughs> but he was willing to count that as dumb. To gain what Christ had done for him. Man, that's powerful. Because there's a difference in living in miracles and living in blessing. Miracles require 
a crisis. You got to have a crisis for miracles. Again, if you're needing a miracle, we all are there. We've all been there. We will stand with you and pray with you. But in the time it takes, let me, we're, we're, we're just not going after the, you getting the miracle met in your life. Right. We're going after what's going to keep you out. of. See, yes. living in a blessing will keep you from needing a miracle. How many people are praying, and don't raise your hand, but how many people are, are praying and believing for healing? The Bible says this, I pray for you that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. Is there a difference in health and healing? See, healing means you're sick and you need a miracle. Health means you don't get there. Health means you don't get sick. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that if you hide the word in your heart, life will be well with you and health to all your flesh. Not healing, health. So the word, see, what we need to understand, we, we shared this on, a little bit about this on Wednesday night. This is the, they gave me this. They said, this is the Wednesday night. Who was here, who was here Wednesday night? Yeah, you should see that. Give me my glasses. This is, it says, from the eyes of a slave. You need to get this. And I, uh, I don't know what they charge, $100 and they, or something like that back there. But Because it's worth that. But it was really good. I liked it. You know, made most, no, didn't make most of it up. But anyway, it's all good. Talking about the Ten Commandments. You know, so, so some of you heard about the Ten Commandments and some of you didn't. The only reason you call it the Ten Commandments is because the subtitle, right before you read Exodus 20, it says the Ten Commandments. And so you look at it as the Commandments. But that's not the way they were written. What do you mean? That's what the church has said for years. Yeah, but who were they written to? Everybody said that was here on Wednesday night. Who were the Ten Commandments written to? They were written to Jews, but who were them slaves? Uh, them Jews. Them Jews were slaves for 400 years. And a slave has no rights, no dignity, no value. They weren't allowed to live what they believed. They had to live under the dictates of an Egyptian government that stole what they wanted to steal, raped who they wanted to rape, and killed who they wanted to kill. A government that had many thousands of gods that they worshipped. And in one day, God took this group of people that were there for 400 years in bondage and said, I am your God. Their personal one. See, how come we look at the Ten Commandments as something you can't do? Oh, dang it! I can't steal that. Ten Commandments told me, I can't murder. Dang it! I wanted to murder. Man, I wanted to commit adultery. I can't do the Ten Commandments. Says not. Oh, I can't let stuff with my neighbor's stuff. He's got some good stuff. I can't do that. See, we're, all, we're always taking the Ten Commandments as something we're not supposed to do. But just think it was written to a group of people. What? You mean, see, this is a statement of protection. Yes. No one's going to steal my stuff. No one's going to rape my wife. No one's going to kill me. Because my God, that's mine, says they can't. Woo! Come on! See, that's, see the, the, this book is not a book of regulations, do's and don'ts. This book leads to a more intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the finished work of Calvary. 
This is a love letter all the way through. But the church, the, the, the system, the, the, the luciferic doctrines that we've been raised up with all go back to a mean, angry God. But the Ten Commandments wasn't given them to keep them under. It was to set them free. They didn't know how to be a people for 400 years. They didn't have a government. And so he started in the home. He said, children, honor your father and your mother. Because they didn't know how. See, this whole thing started, I, we got some people in, in, in Fergus Falls, and I'm saying that so if they ever hear this tape, they know I'm talking about them in public. <laughs> we ended Wednesday night talking to the, 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 the how's it say it, the kabucha? Uh, kombucha. kombucha. Oh, yeah. And I warned you I was going to talk about it on Sunday morning, didn't I? We talked a little bit about the kombucha. The, the kombucha I, I, walked, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night, and I was a little hungry. And so I went down into the, uh, the kitchen downstairs and into the kitchen. You know how your eyes are a little, you're not really awake, but you know where the kitchen is at in the refrigerator. And, and I opened up the refrigerator door, and, and like I told them on Wednesday night, you can tell you're, you're from the South when all your, your fine dishes have Cool Whip written on the side and they got a little plastic <laughs> lid on it. And, and I looked in there, and I just grabbed the first one that was right there, and I pulled it out, and uh, it was kind of heavy, and I opened it up. So what's in here? And I opened up the lid, had the light coming from the fridge. You know how it is, you leave the lights off, you open it, not fully lit. And I kind of startled like this because, you know, that fine china squishes on the sides when it's not solid, you know, and doesn't really hold it. And as I held that and took the lid off, it lost its structure, and it, the stuff wiggled on the inside. And, and I, what, what, what is this? And literally, uh, you know, I, you know, as a, I, I got it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it, it. It looked like Alien Afterbirth. I'm serious. And I, if you ever seen Alien Afterbirth, that's what it looked like. It was it was gray, and it was about that thick, and it moved. And I'm wondering how long has this been in our refrigerator? You know what I'm saying? You, usually it's that stuff way in the back. You don't want to open. Well, this is on the front, the front row. It's on the front row, stuff up close. And I opened up this container, and I, I'm telling you, this was a shocker to me. I'm saying, what is this stuff? So as soon as Joy got up in the morning, I said, what's this? And she explained, it's kombucha, or kombucha, or kombucha. And I said, what is kombucha? It's called the mother. So I wasn't far off, Okay. <laughs> I wasn't far off, but it has to do with being healthy. I'm going, what's this got to do with being healthy? Well, she explained, over in Japan, you know how we're always looking for an America. Matter of fact, America was partly, partly colonized and settled because people were looking for the fountain of youth. You know, we've been looking for what brings life along with us for a long time, and in the health industry, they know that they're, they live a long time over in Japan. And this lady that we know was in one of those pictures, she was raised there, born there. And she understands kombucha. And everybody thinks that that's what causes the Orientals to live such a long time is because they, you don't eat this stuff on top. It creates a liquid, kind of a slimy thing. And yeah, you pour it in your juice and let your juice sit and ferment and then you drink it. Mmm. <laughs> That makes Linda's cooking even taste good right there. You know what I'm saying? Where's she at? Gotcha. I gotcha. 
I was hoping you was going to be over there because now I'm going to pay the price. I know it. I can, I can feel the love. So, and anyway, they pour it in, and it's supposed to be healthy for you. But see, what we need to understand in the body of Christ is that the world is looking, and there's laws that God has put in this world, physical laws, that coincide with spiritual laws that go together. It's not one or the other. It's two working together because I don't believe the Oriental people get their long life from drinking kombucha. I believe it. they're tapped into a spiritual law that they may not know that they're activating in called honoring your father and your mother because life will be long with you. Do you get that? They don't honor their father and their mother. They worship their ancestors. Don't you think maybe our life we would live long? See, that's a spiritual law that God put into this world that we can live according to. When God created the heavens and the earth, not only were, the whole world was created from what he, from his unseen world, he created the seen world, and in the seen world, he put his nature in nature so we could experience his nature. And in the part of that, he made some of his laws physical and some of them spiritual. And it's not about just living in the spiritual ones or just living in the physical ones. It's about doing the way God intended it to be. Seed, I walked in, and I wasn't in this meeting when they had this, but I walked in this morning, and what's on that board? Seed, time, and See, that's a spiritual law that ties in with a blessing. If you don't operate a spiritual law of seed, time, and harvest that's manifested in the natural, you know, every farmer operates on this. Everybody does anything with seed. Understand that you've got to take time to plant. You've got to take time to take care of. And then there comes a time for a harvest. Yeah. That is God's principles. That's God's law. And they work when you apply them. If you don't apply them, if you don't plant seed, you can't expect to harvest unless you need a miracle, a crisis situation. All of a sudden, finances are upside down, backwards, and you need God to perform a miracle. Oh, God! And God comes through because you had a group of people stand with you and believe. But the goal is not to get you to get your miracle. It's to get you to finally live in the principle of blessing that won't require a miracle, which is greater for you to stand back and you need a car. And so you just sit back and go in your prayer closet. And I'm being, I know I'm, I just hit somebody there. You go back in your prayer closet and you're just believing God. You're just believing God for a new car. And you're believing God. And you're walking to church. You're walking to the store. And two years later, you're still believing God. And you finally get around a, a group of people that hear your need and they, they give you a car. Oh, hallelujah! God provided a car. Hallelujah! That, that's, that's, that's great! Hallelujah! It's a praise report. Yeah! But wouldn't it be better just to reach in your pocket, pull out the cash, and buy a car when you need one? Doesn't the scripture say, and you know me, you know my heart, I'm not a prosperity junkie, but I am a blessing junkie. Yes, yes that's right. The scripture says, a merry heart doth good like a... That's a spiritual law in a natural world. If you want to have natural, God-given medicine running throughout your body, start having a happy heart. 
Start being thankful for the people around you. Being thankful for your job. Being thankful for your car. There he is. Testimony of thankfulness right there. It's a choice. If you don't want medicine running throughout your body, go ahead and be all ugly. For some of us, it comes natural. Man. Well, the Bible says that, that the joy of the Lord is our that's a law. That's just not a cute little scripture to quote. That is what God meant for us to live by. Paul said this, I think myself happy. He says, I think myself happy. Thank you. You know scripture. Now, now he's, he, 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 what he's saying is, and I know what, he says, I'm considering myself to be more of a happy person than a sad person. But here, here the way it says, I think myself, you've got to think yourself happy. You've got to think yourself thankful. Right. Even when you don't, you've got to get there. Amen. Because you've got the choice to magnify your problems or magnify God. Psalms 34, it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt it. Quit magnifying your problems. Most of us are telling our, pro our, our God how big our problems are. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I need a miracle. He says, well, I was trying to bless you. You want to see scripture for this? The children of Israel. Now, remember, I've shared here a couple times before, and I shared about the difference between provision land living and promised land living. Where did God want the children of Israel to go? Promised land. Where did they end up going? Provision land. How many people are still looking for God's provision? You see what I'm saying? How many churches are still teaching? Well, God will provide. No, He already has. You understand? There's two different mindsets in Scripture. Look for God to provide or the promise of the Father. You didn't get that. Jesus, let me, let me add to it. Since you didn't get it, I'll just throw more. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Oh, there's a different relationship you can have with God and He can be your Father. See, as long as you're looking for God to provide, you're not going to see Him as being your Father. Oh. See, I don't have enough time. See, the book in Galatians, uh, Galatians, what's that verse? Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Put that on them. Watch this real quick. Real quick in Minnesota is a little different than down south. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, you know, we slow down our talking down here and, and our projection. There it is. That the blessings of Abraham, say Abraham, Amen. might come upon the whom? Gentile. Everybody's Gentile, raise up your hand. Woo! Woo! See, I knew Pastor John would communicate that to you. That the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we, the Gentiles, what? Might receive the promise, not the provision. Oh gosh, don't get me started. I only got, I only got three more hours and I got to shut up. <laughs> that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It doesn't say the provision of the Spirit. It says the promise of the Spirit. This will light your world. You start looking at the difference between provision and promises. So the children of Israel go, they were supposed to go to the promised land, but did they go to the promised land? No, they didn't have faith. 
Now, we won't talk about that. We talked about all that before, why they didn't have faith. They did have faith. They did have faith, and all of a sudden they don't have faith. It's called Big Mountain and Ten Commandments. We won't go there, though. But anyway, so they come up to the promised land. They can't go in. So God sends them to the land of provision. And he sent them there to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, he sent them there to die. Because he didn't want that kind of thinking. Now, there's a whole bunch of in all that. But you know what happened during the 40 years that they were in the land of provision? Do you know what happened in the promised land? Most people don't know this because they don't know their history. Yeah, they don't have a daughter that's an archaeologist who studies this stuff. <laughs> the Philistines moved into the promised land. They weren't there when they were supposed to go in. When the children of Israel, oh, when the children of Israel were supposed to go in, the Philistines weren't. Who was the children of Israel's biggest conflict with? The Philistines. I don't know if you're getting this yet. When the children of Israel were supposed to go in and didn't, what you get from this is this. See, they had to go back, and when they finally went in, they had to kick out the Philistines. If they went in the first time, they wouldn't have to kick nobody out. How many times has God told us to do something, and we hadn't done it? We hadn't walked in what His Word said to walk in, and now we've got to go back and undo some things that were done while we were gone. Oh, See, when you choose, and this is scriptural, throughout scriptural, and I don't have time to go through all, and i got a whole bunch of them, trust me. When you choose not to walk in God's best, you'll get what the world has to offer. You will get what you settle for. Right now in your life, the way you're living, if you're comfortable and ready to settle there, that is what you'll get. If you settle for not enough, you'll have not enough. Every time, listen to me, every time in Scripture, a group of people or person didn't go with God's best, they got crisis. They needed a miracle. The children of Israel, Jesus was coming down, He was about ready to be crucified, coming down in the Mountain of Olives, and He wept. He says, oh, Jerusalem, this day, if you only would have known what made for your peace. But because you didn't, now this is going to happen. Talking about the walls of Jerusalem coming down and enemies coming in and killing everybody. AD 70 happened because they didn't believe when they were supposed to believe. Oh, come on, church. When you're not pursuing like Paul was for everything that Christ has done for you you will get what the world has done for you. Amen. Don't settle for what the world has for you. We need to pursue, be pursuing, pursuing everything. Walking in, it, it, it has nothing to do with how much God loves you or how much you love God. It's what are you settling with? Some people, you know, some, we've actually had some people tell us in times past, we don't want to go to your church. Well, they, they've come to our church, they like everybody, like, but they got too much of God. That's what the guy said. He said, I get just enough at this other church. Oh, he, he, that's what he said. He says, I got, I'm sorry, I misquoted him. He says, I get a little bit, and that's what he wanted. He didn't want. 
And you think he would come to me and ask for me to pray for him to get him out of some situations. And he just wants a little bit. I won't do it. Why waste my time? Now you know why I don't have a church of 100,000 people on it. It's that gift of mercy that just bleeds out of my heart. But you know why God puts certain people together? Because some have so much mercy. I'm kidding. I'll pray for you. But my goal is not to get you to get your miracle. It's to get you to walk in the blessings of the Lord. The scripture says in Galatians that the, prom- that the promises of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Let's read one of those promises. Let's turn to Exodus. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We'll, we'll talk about this. You'll find out this is not talking about me, 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 me. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. As a matter of fact, we already heard Deuteronomy quoted this morning about the blessings of Abraham, didn't we? See, that was prophetic. That was a, a com- confirming word that confirmed this word. You need to understand that. That was powerful. So anyway, it says this. It says, Get out of the country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. To say I will miracle you? It doesn't say he's going to perform miracles. It says I'm going to bless. It said the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Are you getting a connection here? God doesn't want you to live from miracle to crisis to miracle. He wants you to live in the blessings of Abraham, where it says, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Stop right there. The number one reason why God wants to bless you with so much abundance is so you can be a blessing to other people. The whole reason Abraham was the father of our faith, he didn't do what he did for him. He did and believed what he did and for his grandchildren's 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 grandchildren. And when you start living your life for people outside of yourself, you might find it to be a real big world. When you start bringing other people in your heart and now praying for them, you'll quit praying for yourself. I was talking to a great man of God this morning, and he, he told me himself that, that he's, as he's becoming the revelation of the gospel, the grace of God, and everything God's done for him, he's praying different. He's praying different. You quit praying for yourself when you understand what God's done for you. Got a question. I'm going to meddle. I got three minutes to meddle. No, I can do a good job in three minutes. You're up there begging and crying. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And you're praying for yourself. Well, doesn't the scripture say Jesus is making intercession for you how often? Daily. You don't think he's doing a good enough job? So why are you worried about you? See, it is finished. He's not. It is. Something came to an end called the Old Covenant, but he's still working on your behalf. He wants you to walk in blessing. Paul said, everything that Christ did for me, I'm after it. 
I want it to be part of my life. I want that to be real to me. I want that to be reality, just not a figment of my imagination that some church talks about. I want joy and peace and happiness and prosperity and health. I want, I want the forgiving grace of God to come in my life so I can walk around and forgive those that hurt me. Yeah. Man, it changed. Listen, young couples, start your, start your life this way. Don't wait till you get old and decrepit. You know, like other people in other churches. I'm not, no, no, we're not no old decrepit here. But, you know, don't, it's so hard to unplug. See, up in Minnesota, we're having to unplug so many people because they're, they're, they're plugged in so deep. And, and, and when, you, when you see a 92-year-old lady get mad at her church because the church didn't tell her what she's hearing and she's reading it in the Bible for the first time, that's powerful. I mean, it's like... What? <laughs> they didn't tell me that. And then she gets mad. She gave birth to 12 kids. Wow. And now she's getting mad. <laughs> <laughs> mad because her church never told her that God was a good God and loved her unconditionally. She had lived under guilt and condemnation all her life. Was literally told if she had 12 kids she would make it to heaven. It's called Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh, we're getting, we're getting, you know where I'm, she'd been a Catholic, all her, her mom and dad, her grandparents were Catholic, every, and all of a sudden, she her whole life was based trying to do something to go to heaven instead of living in a relationship that father wanted to have with her. Oh, it set her free at 92 years old. Gospel. Gospel. Powerful. Live in the blessings. Live in the blessings. The promise of Abraham is for you. So you can be blessed, so you can be a blessing everywhere else. The call is for us to be generous. How can you be generous if you don't have? But it's, you're not, you don't have because of you. You have so you can give to others. Do you understand this? If this is not a grab all you can get and hold on to it message. Matter of fact, salvation is that way. You confess it with your mouth. That's the confession message. I heard it said this way one time that if God's love stops with you, you haven't experienced God's love. If salvation stops with you, you're probably not saved. See, salvation will change your heart. Salvation isn't making mental assent to Scripture and saying, I do, to something you heard. It's about you. See, Jesus said this, I've got life. And life more abundant. And that life I came to give. Most people's salvation is this way. I, I shook them up when I said this. I said, most people are asking Jesus to come into their life. Show me scripture for that. Show me scripture where it says for you to ask Jesus to make him your Lord and Savior. 
It says in the book of Romans to confess him as Lord. You're agreeing with what's all. See, so many times we think we're making God, we're asking God to come into our life, and now we got our life, God, there's a segmented. No, you've got to die to your life and step into his. And Jesus said, I've got a life. And for you to live it, you've got to let go of yours and step into mine. Most people keep a hold of their life and just bring him into his. That's not salvation. That's religion. That's religion. Salvation is when you die to yours. Identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. And step into his. God works all things together for good to love him and called according to his purpose. Not your purpose that you're asking him to get you a mess. You know, you're, so many times we're asking God to bless stupid. God, I've made some stupid decisions. Will you come bless them? No. I'm just being honest. I've been there, still there. I'm, I'm working through some stuff. The blessed... Where, where, where does the king's will done? In his kingdom. That's, that's rocket science. So if you're not in his will, how can his will be done? Where is the king's protection? In his kingdom. Unless you're sent out as an ambassador. Then you bring the kingdom with you. But if you're not about the kingdom, what did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom. It's in here. It's in the realm of the soul. It's on the inside. I tell you what, there's so much to this, and I don't have time to get into it, but to understand the difference between miracles and blessings will change your life. There are physical laws that go with spiritual laws. That we're sp If you want long life, you can, you can drink all the kombucha you want to. But I think, I just think, it comes from honoring your father and your mother and life will be long with you. You want to be happy? You want to have medicine running through your, your, your heart, your life, your body, and never get sick? Just be happy. How do you think people like Bob Hope lived over 100 years old? You know, there are people that smoke and drink, and they, still, they live a long time. Why? Because they're acti actually activating spiritual principles that they didn't know that they're acting wow. in their life. Seed time and harvest. There are people that are financially set because they've operated in seed time and harvest in their life. They've looked out beside, beyond themselves and planted into other things, and now those other things are bringing back to them. God loves you where you're at. Amen. We love you. We'll pray with you, help you get it. But my heart is not to keep you where you're at. My heart in the heart of this church is to get you into a place that you can now walk in the blessings of the Lord so your name will be great, and you can bless others. This church, his name is becoming great, and it will begin to bless others as it goes along. The scripture says this, that if he finds one group of people, it's a, this powerful scripture says one group of people that are thankful. He says, 
I will not let them be small. Man, just by being thankful. Just, that's a spiritual law to be thankful. Thankfulness, yeah. and now you've heard some of you have heard this. What's thankfulness? Thankfulness is the master key to the kingdom of heaven. Right, Laura? It's the master key to the kingdom. Just being thankful. Just being thankful. So watch what happens when you start thankful. Husbands, start being thankful for your wife. Start being thankful for your job. It may not be where God wants you to start being thankful there and watch what happens. I'm even thankful for Dylan. I'm working, but it, I'm so thankful, Dylan. <laughs> watch the connections you have with people when you start learning to be thankful for them. You know where people will be drawn to? They'll be drawn to you because they know that they're loved and appreciated and honored. Are you alone in this world? The Bible says, if you want friends, be friendly. <laughs> so what, that's deep. I'm sorry, that's deep. But if you, you don't get anything, that's deep. If you want friends, just be friendly. Be thankful for the people you got. Make a difference. The Bible really is simple, but God wants the best for you. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. Apostle Paul didn't. And every time a group of people did, things happened in the negative the children of Israel had to fight off the Philistines to get them out of the land that God promised them. Some of us are going to have to fight to get back what we lost. You understand what I'm saying? Even though it's already ours. But because we didn't step into it when we needed to, things happened. Now we got to go get it. Amen? And that's where we stand together as a body of Christ and join arms and help other people get back what God told them was theirs. See, there's an identity that some of us don't know that we have. And people like me, we're here to help you get back that identity. We're here to help you understand that you have the DNA of God in you. DNA in the world is dioxide nairobi, say it for me, dioxide nairobi rhinobi nucleic acid. Is that close enough? DNA? Yeah. Oh, come on. You're a, you're a pill guy. Anyway, <laughs> D, D, DNA is dioxide nairobi nucleic acid. That's hard for this guy to say. But in the spirit, DNA is divine nature of the Almighty. Come on. That's what you got. You got the, your last name is Almighty. Oh, that hurts some religious spirits right there, doesn't it? He's your daddy. I'll just go throw this out there. I don't think we have time for to go into much detail, none at all. When Peter was going through in the book of Acts, there was a person that had been, healed, had been sick for 38 years, paraplegic, couldn't, couldn't walk, do nothing, just laid there, took alms. What did he say? Silver and have I none, but what I have? What did he have? You ever ask that question? Verse 16, it tells you. His name. His name. You've got His name. You've got His name. I'm Curtis, the son of God Almighty. He's my daddy. He's my father. 
I've been born again with the nature of God on the inside of me. Doesn't the scripture say it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives inside of me? My spirit man looks real pretty, real holy. When you start walking, see, I think I've said this is before, but the one verse that's not in the Bible that should be, stupid is, what stupid does. First book of Gump. I think someone said that on Wednesday night. That's a great scripture. Now I've got a book for it. We just need to walk in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. You pursue like Paul did the best. Everything that God has laid hold for you through Jesus Christ, you should want it. You should pursue it. Every time someone chose not to go with God's best, got the world. Which do you want? If you want the world, okay. And you'll get it. If you want God's best, you'll get it. You'll get what you settle for. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to open up your word. I thank you for this, this house. I thank you for this home. I thank you for these people that you've gathered together in one accord. Father, I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for the foundations. I thank you for the future. I thank you for the vision. Father, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen. And this family will pursue what their father has for them and not settle for anything less. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you.